Good morning. It's great to see you guys. Welcome to Seacoast. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. I'm one of the pastors here at Seacoast. I'm excited to have the opportunity to, to share with you this weekend. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us at one of our campuses or maybe on the internet or in the chapel or the warehouse. We're glad that you guys are here as well. Uh, I hope the fast is going okay for you. If you're new to Seacoast, our church is in the middle of a 21-day fast, just praying for God to uh, really reveal His will to us and pour out His Spirit on us as we seek to, to follow Him in 2012. So uh, I hope that's going well for those of you that are participating in that. Uh, exci- excited to be with you guys. Have you guys ever had your cell phone lose power at just the wrong time? Anybody ever had that experience? Had it happen a few times. You may be like me. I, I love my phone. Uh, I've got an iPhone, and before I got this... I just had a phone that basically made phone calls. You know, I could use it to call or maybe play like Tetris or something like that. But it was basically just a, a cell phone that, that, that functioned as, as a phone. And now that I have this phone, it's so cool. I mean, I can be hanging out with my kids and all of a sudden a Kodak moment kind of appears before my eyes and I can pull my phone out and I can pull the Instagram app out and take a picture and it makes it look a lot better than I actually am at photography and I can post it to my Twitter page or my Facebook page and all kinds of cool things that I can do. Uh, with this phone. When I wake up in the morning, I wonder, hey, what's the weather like today? I pull up the weather app and check the weather. You know, if I want to check my email or check a score, um, not a Broncos score, but any other kinds of scores, I can just, <laughs> I can open up the, the internet and, and look at that or open up my email app and all kinds of really cool things. In fact, as a pastor, sometimes God will uh, give me a word or, or specifically call me to be a part of the humbling process for people in our congregation. So I'll open up the Words with Friends app and I'll play a word that they've never heard of before and, and you know, score lots of points on that. Or uh, sometimes we'll be, we'll be in a restaurant and some of you will be there. So I want my kids to kind of act, act right. And so I'll open up the Angry Birds app and I'll slip it under the table and, and they'll make no sound the entire time. And you think they're angels, but they're just playing Angry Birds. Uh, but but it's, it's just cool. I can even, and I see some of you already thinking, ooh, he's got his phone. I'm going to text him or I'm going to call him. I can put it on airplane mode so it's not going to bother me. You can't distract me during the message. And it's just a, it's a cool deal. I love this phone. I was studying these things a little bit about them. And did you know that in a smartphone today, they have more computing power in them than all of NASA did in 1969 when they sent a man to the moon and all of their computers I mean, really incredible how much power they pack into these little things. And every year and a half or so, they double the amount of power that they they can use. And so really, really cool, except for when they're dead. Um, I was uh, on a trip to to Chicago a, a year or so ago, and I got to the place and I needed to get directions of the hotel and all that. And they asked me, hey, do you need a map or would you like to get a GPS system for the car? I said, no. I'm good. I got an iPhone. No big deal. I can, I can figure it out, open up GPS and, and figure it out. Well, I get in the car, get a couple miles from the airport, and the phone's dead. I apparently had forgotten to put it on airplane mode, and so it, it ran dead during the flight. And so I got to see a lot of Chicago that day that I didn't plan on seeing. Um, but, but it tends to do that. I was at a guy's night, uh, and I just late, later in the night needed to call home and check in with my wife and, and look down at my phone, and it's, it's dead. And I had to use a, a friend's BlackBerry, of all things. How humiliating uh, is that? And just, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but if I'm being honest with you, uh, even as a pastor, there are times in my life that I feel like a dead iPhone. You know, I, I, know, I, I know that God has wired me with some pretty cool features and some gifts and some things that he wants uh, me to do. And, and sometimes he'll even ask me to do something or to say something to a friend. And, and I'll, I'll sometimes chicken out because I'm just not sure that I've got the power that I need to, to, to pull it off. 
I don't know if you can relate to that or not. But, but, but I think that our churches oftentimes are full of believers who are hardwired with some really cool features, some really cool apps. Uh, there are some of us that are wired with unique ability to pray over somebody and to see God's hand at work and, and heal in people's lives. And there are some believers who they're hardwired with, with an app that would allow them to discern what's going on be, beneath the surface in a friend's life and to, to speak words of encouragement and all kinds of cool things that the Holy Spirit wants to do, that God wants to do in us as believers but oftentimes we don't see these gifts at work in the church. So, so how do we do it? How do we have access to these really cool apps? Well, we're in a series called Immeasurable. And we've been studying a, a passage of scripture that we say every weekend at Seacoast. It's our benediction. It's Ephesians three twenty and 21. And it talks about this incredible promise about God. And, and it says that God is able to do immeasurably more. In fact, why don't we read that verse together? It's Ephesians three twenty and 21. It says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Big promise. And in light of the first part of that verse, last week, Pastor Greg challenged us as a church to, to dream bigger dreams and to pray specific prayers and to, to take risks in our faith to respond to the immeasurable that God might want to do. Well, well, how does God do it? Well, today we're going to take the second half of that first verse and just break it down in three different parts to see if we can figure out how the immeasurably more can happen in our lives. So, so let's jump in. The first thing that it says after he can do immeasurably more, how? According to his power. According to his power. I was taking my son, Miles, four years old. I was taking him to school this week, and we're driving in, and he's, he just asked me out of the blue uh, in the backseat of the car, Daddy, is God strong? I thought, okay, this is an easy one, softball. I'll answer that one. Yes, he is, and let's move on. Uh, but I thought, no, let, let me try to help him understand. Is this on? Okay. Have I ever told you that? Uh, I felt powerless at times. That was just one of them. That was just one of them. So, so Miles asked me this question, and so I'm like, let me help, let me help illustrate this for him. And so I, I asked him, Miles, do you think that uh, a person who could make the ocean part, who could part the Red Sea, do you think that that would take a powerful person? And yeah, yeah, Daddy. Oh, what about Daniel and the lion's den? You remember that story? Can you imagine someone who could close the mouths of hungry lions. You think that would be a strong person? And, you know, he's tracking with me. Yeah. And then we talked about Jesus, you know, being raised from the dead and that, that power to, to raise somebody from the dead. It would, that would be strong, strong person, wouldn't it? So I said, what do you think, Miles? You think God is powerful? And he said, yeah. And I, and I was feeling pretty good about my ability to, you know, reason with him and to kind of convince him about God's power. And then he asked me one more question. He said, I understand that daddy, that he's done all those things, but does God, is God strong enough to protect me from the bad guys. I thought, you know, we're a lot like Miles in that, aren't we? I mean, we know that God's done some incredible things. We know that he created the earth and we know that he's got all this power that he's used. But does he really have enough power to help me overcome my fears, to help me overcome my insecurities, to help me get through the challenges that I'm facing today? You know, say, God, I know that you had enough power to get me the job, but, but do you have enough power to sustain me in it and to help me be successful in the job? 
Or, or God, I know you had enough power to get our family through that situation, but man, the one that we're facing right now feels like it's too big. Or, or God, I know you, your power and your hand was at work in my life when I met this, this beautiful person and, and we became married. But man, fast forward a couple of years. Do you have the power to get us through the challenge that we're facing right now in our marriage or in our relationship? Well, I, I believe that he does. And I believe that Jesus knew that the disciples were going to ask some, some similar questions when he left them. If, if you look at the Bible and in, in, in the book of Acts, Jesus was getting ready to ascend to heaven. And he's getting ready to leave his disciples on earth to carry out the work of the ministry. And, and he told them in Acts 1 verse 8, he said, guys, something's going to happen and you need to be ready for it. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. So, so these guys are uncertain about their future. They're uncertain about what's going to happen. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send somebody and he's going to empower you. And it's the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a helper. He's going to walk with you. And he's going to give you strength. Now, some of you hear the, 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 the word the Holy Spirit, and you automatically kind of freak out a little bit. Uh, maybe you grew up in a church culture where you just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit much, you know, uh, didn't want to let him out because uh, you're afraid of what he might do. And, uh, and so you didn't talk about it a whole lot. Or maybe you were in a culture where it was, you experienced some strange things. I know when I first got saved, uh, shortly after that, uh, some friends of, of ours went to a revival uh, here in town. And we went to, there was a pastor that was coming from out of town at a, di- a different church. And, and I got there, and I could sense that God was at work. I mean, we knew that, that his spirit was, was at work there. But then people started doing some strange things. I mean, literally, people started flopping around on the floor, and people were speaking in tongues, and nobody was interpreting, and it was, it was, it was confusing and, and strange. And then, then people started looking at me with, like, the crazy eye. You know what I'm talking about? It's like their eyes get glazed over, and they don't blink. And it's like, dude, just blink. You're going to help me a lot if you would just blink. I, you know? and, and, and just weird, weird stuff going on. And he, he, it kind of scared me. I mean, part of me wanted to kind of close myself off to the work of the Holy Spirit because I didn't want to, to be associated with that. But here's what I found out as I got to know some of these people. They were weird long before the Holy Spirit ever came into their life. <laughs> so, so Jesus said, I'm going to send you a friend. I'm going to send you a helper. And he sometimes befriends strange people. And, and that's okay. He befriends us too, though. And, and a lot of you are weird uh, in your own way. And God, God wants to befriend all of us. Jesus wanted to send us the Holy Spirit as a helper. You know, it's the third person of the Trinity. If you understand the Bible and how God has spoken to his people through the years in the Old Testament, he would usually speak through an individual prophet you know, who, would, who would represent a word of God for an entire group of people. And then Jesus, of course, came and God spoke through Jesus to his disciples and to, to the people. And sometimes he used angels to deliver a specific word for people. And Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, the times are getting ready to change. And, and, and we're going to send the Holy Spirit as a third person of the Trinity to empower you, to speak to you, to, to be with you. So God hasn't been silent for the last 2,000 words. We, of course, have our years. So we have his written word from his Bible, but we also have the Holy Spirit who empowers us. And, and the Holy Spirit wants to give us some pretty incredible apps, if you will, as we go back to the iPhone, that he wants to see us utilizing in our daily lives. So I want to talk to you guys about a couple of really cool power apps that the Holy Spirit offers his people. One of them is comforting app, the comforting app. John fourteen sixteen says, and I will pray the father, this is Jesus talking. And that just means I will ask the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Comforter. 
Jesus used that word four different times to describe the Holy Spirit. It, it literally translates a word as parakletos, and it means to walk alongside in your calling. He's going to send somebody to, to walk alongside of us. And many of us have experienced the comforting power of the Holy Spirit. When you walk into a tragic situation in your family or you deal with a loss or you deal with a, a, a financial hit and, and, and you sense God's Spirit comforting you uh, and, and helping walk with you through the difficult circumstance that you're facing. Some of us haven't experienced that. That's, that's one of the cool apps that God wants to offer us through the Holy Spirit. Another one is a guiding app. Guiding app. Look at John sixteen thirteen. Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. Ooh, that seems a little strange. He'll tell you about the future. Not like in a tarot card or, or fortune telling kind of a way. But, but sometimes it says one of the features of the Holy Spirit is to, to give us a, a hunch or a look into the future a little bit. I've seen it at work at Seacoast. Uh, several years ago, we were in a leadership team meeting and uh, talking about some different things, praying about some different things. And somebody in the group who doesn't always speak up about things like this said, hey, you know what? I've just got a hunch and I've got, I, I sense that we need to be cautious about the economy that we're entering into some potentially dangerous times financially. And, and, and as he shared that, the rest of the group kind of resonated with that. said, yeah, I think, I think that that may be a, a hunch from the Holy Spirit about the future. And so we began to, to, to make some decisions to be much more frugal with our finances and cut some things back and scale back to try to put us in a position where we would be able to weather a storm if it came. And as we all know, the storm came. Uh, and we, we watched several of our friends in ministry who had to lay off dozens and dozens of staff members and had to cut ministries completely out and all kinds of really tough times. And many of you own businesses and have experienced the, the need to do that. And we've certainly been impacted by the economy here at Seacoast. But because the Holy Spirit gave us a little bit of guidance and a nudge, a little peek into the future, we were able to position ourselves where we, we've been able to make it through that without anybody having to lose a job because of the finances of the church or anybody having to, you know, us having to cut back a ministry because of the finances of the church. And we praise God for his guiding app of the Holy Spirit. So he comforts us. He guides us. Another cool app, killer app of the Holy Spirit is he's got a teaching app that he wants to give us. John fourteen twenty six. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. So God gives us human teacher, teachers, people with the gift of, of teaching, but he also sends his Holy Spirit to teach us about the things of God. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. How do we come to know the wonderful things of God, the Holy Spirit unveils them. You know, he wrote the Bible. Therefore, he can certainly bring clarity and the truth as we, as we study it. Sometimes this teaching app displays as a, kind of a reminder. He'll remind us about some things. Uh, John fourteen twenty six says, The Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have said to you. Have you ever wondered, how did the disciples remember all these things that Jesus said? And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came and reminded them and reminds us of what he wants us to do. And sometimes he'll give us reminders of words that he wants to give to us today. I know just this week I was in a meeting with our staff, a prayer meeting that we do. We pray over the cards that get filled out, prayer requests, every single week. And we were praying over those. And, 
uh, when we finished, a, a, a woman on our staff came up to me afterwards and said, Josh, I've got a, a word that I think God gave me to give to you. Uh, and I just feel kind of weird about it. I don't know what, and I was like, well, great. I want to hear it. And, and she went on to tell me something that only God and the Holy Spirit could have known that I needed to hear that just then. It wasn't anything profound. Basically what she told me is that, that God wanted to say that he was proud of me. And I've heard that. And there have been times that I really, but, but that day in particular, uh, because of the day I'd been having up to that point, I needed to hear that from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit knew it. So he told somebody and they told me that reminded us. So, so the, the Holy Spirit teaches us, comforts us, guides us. Another cool app is a witnessing app, witnessing app. I was on a mission trip a few years ago to Nicaragua, and we were taking a team out to go door to door, sharing our faith in that, that community. Before you go, just knock on your neighbor's door, cold call. We, they kind of knew we were coming, and it was kind of acceptable within that culture. Not that it's not here, but they, they were waiting for us. And, and one of the guys on our team, as we were getting ready to go, he was like, his name was Tom. He said, Josh, I don't feel comfortable at all with this. Is there something else I can do? Because uh, I've never led anybody to Christ before. And, and I just don't know that, that this is something I'm, I'm supposed to do. And so we talked for a few minutes. And, and I reminded him about Acts 1, verse 8. We read the first part, but, but let's, let's read it again. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to do what? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, to witness effectively, to share our faith, and see life transformation happen in other people, supernatural power is required. You know, we have to ask God to show us, to, to, to reveal where is he at work in somebody's life, and, and, and often he'll give us the words to say to encourage them and to help lead them to faith. There's nothing more miserable than trying to lead somebody to Christ where the Holy Spirit's not at work in their life. I mean, it's kind of like trying to sell a timeshare presentation. You know, it's, it's, you rarely make a deal, and when you finally do, you feel a little bit guilty about it because you kind of force them into a decision that maybe they weren't ready for. Now, that's not how God works in our lives. The Holy Spirit is actively pursuing us, and he, he will use us to be a part of that process in other people's lives. In fact, in your worship guides this weekend at all of our campuses, we got this business card, and Greg talked about it last week. But it's just an opportunity to, to go, okay, Holy Spirit, I want to open myself up to your work. Will you reveal to me where you're at work in somebody's life so that I can use this to reach out? It just says something extra to show you that God loves you. Now, don't leave this in lieu of a tip on their table. Uh, this is when you're going to be extremely generous. This is when maybe you're going to buy somebody's meal for them or pay for somebody's coffee or, or leave a really generous tip to a server and, and then leave this card just to say, hey, God loves you. And, 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 God, and, and, and I, I do too, and I care about you. But be praying with that. Lord, I want to I receive the power of your Holy Spirit to open my eyes to where you're already at work in somebody's life so that I can be an effective witness to share my faith along with you. So, so there's the, the witnessing app, and the convicting app is another one. The convicting app, John 16, 8 and 9, says, When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. See, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict sinners. He does it all the time here at Seacoast. He has a lot to work with, just to be honest with you, and especially the campuses, um, you know, a whole lot to work with, but... But, but he does. And a, a clarification there, that's the Holy Spirit's job, not your job, uh, to convict others of sin. And so let's let the Holy Spirit do his job. And sometimes he'll use us, but it'll always be done in love and it'll be done with, with a goal of restoring and, and lifting somebody up. But, but the word conviction conjures up thoughts of criminal prosecution and you know, throwing somebody in jail. And here's a great definition for the word convict, to persuade to the point of action. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do 
in our lives. The very first thing he does is he persuades us of our sinfulness to the point of action. And then he leads us to repent of our sin and to take action in repenting. You know, and, and, and when I open up my iPhone, there's sometimes that I open up an app and it says, hey, there's an update available. You, you need to update that app. And then I even have an app store deal and I've got lots of apps that need to be updated. And when I don't update the apps, sometimes it kind of slows down the machine uh, and it doesn't work at its best. It doesn't function fully as it needs to. Some of us need to update the conviction app this weekend. Maybe God's been convicting you. He's been maybe bringing back something that he wants you to repent of or to ask for forgiveness for, for somebody else or to restore a relationship. And we've kind of gone, uh, I don't really want to do that right now. Uh, and I would just encourage you, update that app. Uh, that's what we have. That's why we have the crosses here at Seacoast. That's why we have every weekend an opportunity to repent of sin so that we don't have to carry it out with us. We can, we can have the, the Holy Spirit's power working fully in our lives because our sin's not hindering uh, his, his power from working in us at all times. So the, the convicting app, last app that I want to talk about, uh, and there's a lot more uh, features of the Holy Spirit. We could do a whole series on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. But he wants to convince us. It's a convincing app. The convincing app. Same verse that we just read, but the second part of it says that he will convince the world there's righteousness available because I go to the Father and you shall see me no more. I, lo- I love this app, the convincing app, because a lot of us commit our lives to Christ, uh, make a commitment to him. And, but then we go through times in our faith where we, we begin to doubt, am I really saved? Like, am, am I really in right standing with God? Does he really look at me through the righteousness of Christ? Or does he still see all the sin that I see in my life and the stuff that keeps holding me back? And the Bible says that part of the Holy Spirit's role is to convince believers that we're righteous because of what Christ did for us and to encourage us and build us up in our faith. And so you may be here today, and that may be part of what God wants to do, is you've just been dealing with doubt, self-doubt about who am I? You know, the Bible says that God, God calls us his children. He says we're his workmanship, we're beautiful. And then we say, no, I'm unworthy. And we throw that compliment back in his face because we haven't opened ourselves up to the Holy Spirit's power to convince us of our right standing with God. So if you struggle with self-image or feel condemned, it's real important that we, we say, God, Holy Spirit, would you just move in that area of my life? You know, because negative self-image will hinder our ability to pray confidently. So that's just a few of them, a few apps that the Holy Spirit wants to use in our lives. And, you know, the truth is there are probably a lot of us that are here today and, and we've committed our lives to Christ and we've begun a relationship with him and we've, we've secured our eternal salvation. And that is the first step of having God's power working in our lives. But essentially, all we've been using is the, fo- the phone function. You know, we, we, we've, we've got our security, uh, eternal security figured out, but, but we're not really experiencing God's power and all of the cool features, all of the unique apps that God wants to use in our lives by the work of his Holy Spirit for whatever reason that we've been closed off to it. And today, I encourage you, if we're going to accomplish immeasurably more, if we're going to be God's hands and feet in this community to do immeasurably more, and the world will look at this place and go, man, can you believe what God's doing at Seacoast Church? It's going to be because of his power. Secondly, it's going to be because of his power that's at work in our lives. So you may say, I don't, I don't hear God's voice. Or I don't, I don't see his power at work in it. Maybe I don't feel it. And sometimes we wonder, is God really at work in my life right now? And can we just close the door on that question this weekend? God never takes paid time off. God is always at work. 
He's at work whether you see it or feel it. When your children are making terrible decisions in their lives or maybe when the, the work situation's going south or your finances are struggling or maybe things are going really well, God is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. How do I know that? Philippians 1 verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So you may not see it right now, but God's power is at work in your situation. I hear stories all the time of people who come to Seacoast and they say, man, when I walked in, I just, I don't know, I had a lump in my throat or, or I began to cry un, unexplained. I don't, don't know why. And, and I would say that's the power of God at work in your life. You may not have known he was at work, but he is. I talked to a mom recently, just a few weeks ago, and she uh, asked for prayer and we were praying for her daughter. Her daughter was getting ready to make a decision that was going to be devastating for her. Uh, it was a decision that she would have regretted for a long time, the rest of her life. And she was praying, and we were praying for her. And I said, hey, would, do you think she'd be willing to talk to one of us or pastor or come in and, and uh, come to a worship experience? And maybe God would. She said, you know, I don't know. Uh, she's really been closed off to God. She's been closed off to church. She had an experience uh, early on that, that hurt her. And I, I don't know if she'd be open to it or not. And so we just prayed for her. And about two weeks later, uh, I'm up here doing the announcements, and I see her with her daughter sitting here in, in, in church. And so, and we happened to be talking about the very issue that that daughter was, was wrestling with. And, and the daughter left and said, Mom, I've made up my mind. I'm not going to make that decision. I'm not going to do it. And it was so cool. And so I was talking to Mom and I said, so you invited her to church. That's awesome. And she was like, no, I didn't. She called me on the way. I'm on my way to church and said, save a seat for me. I'm coming. It's like, wow, God was at work in her life. You didn't know it. And, and, and we don't always see it. We don't always feel it. But God's power is at work in our lives. Look at the story of Joseph, or I think about the story of Joseph, and he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he was accused of rape falsely, and then he was thrown into jail, and, and there had to be times that he wondered, God, what are you doing? Where, where are you? But you look at his picture, at the, at the picture at the end of the story, and you go, oh, that's how God was at work in that situation. That's why that had to happen, and it ultimately led to the freedom of his people. Some of you came here this weekend because God needed to remind you that his power is at work in your life. You know, don't, don't give up on somebody just because you don't see God's power at work. Don't say no for him. I am confident of this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion. So God's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within me. Within me. Oh, actually, cross that out. It's within us. Slightly different. See, the cool thing about this is that Christianity is not a solo sport. This is not something that has to be lived out on our own. God is working in each believer uniquely. When we're all open to the power of God at work in us individually, and then we commit to living together in community and speaking up when God calls us or, or taking action on uh, his promptings, that's when we see the full expression of God's power at work in his church. That's why I'm convinced that after being married for 10 years, there's no way that Lisa and I's marriage would be where it is today were it not for the power at work within us, the small groups that we've been a part of, the missional communities that have helped us in our journey. There have been so many times in my faith that I've had to lean on the faith of someone who is stronger at, at a given point in time. Well, today, as we kind of close our service, I want to introduce you to a couple that has seen the power that God offers do a pretty amazing work in their life. I was able to um, 
excel at, at what I did, and I really didn't reach out to other people. Uh, I married a very beautiful, God-fearing woman, and um, I focused on on things of the world, of focusing on amassing wealth in, in a strange sort of way that was kind of a, 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 a flag or a banner to me of what I was supposed to be doing. Fred would come home on the weekends and we would go and have fun and go out to dinner and we, we always um, enjoyed each other's company and we loved each other. I mean, I knew we loved each other. Um, but I knew something was missing. I started noticing like little text messaging. He'd be over in a chair sitting somewhere and be text messaging or he talked on the phone a lot or, you know, and he was distant and um, just didn't seem to be at home when he was at home. Fred had been in the pool, so he came out of the pool and went upstairs to um, change clothes for dinner. And he never came back down, so I went up to check on him and the music was on in the house, so he didn't hear me coming. So when I went upstairs, he was on the phone. And I could tell when I walked into the room, his face just turned white. to another woman and so it, it felt like darkness just overcame me in that instant and I kind of it almost felt like I was hovering over myself looking at all this unfold and I tried to reach for the phone and he wouldn't give it to me and he kept putting it like he put it behind his back and, and I kept trying to grab it and grab it and then I finally just looked at him and I said, you're I want to be truthful, but I'm like, no, the consequences associated with this is just tremendous. What am I going to do? I'm talking to my attorneys on the phone and you don't usually hear these words. If I'm, if I'm advising you as your attorney, I wouldn't say anything, but I'm not advising you as an attorney. I'm a Christian. Tell the truth. The truth will set you free. I said, I, you lost your mind. Fred, do you trust me? I do. Say the truth. The truth will set you free. And that's when he said, sit down. We need to talk. And he told me about the affair prior, the two affairs prior to the last one that I caught him. Um, that was hard. That was a, a much longer term. It was more, it was like a seven year deal. And the one before that, I don't know how long that one was. I don't think it was years. I think it was a shorter lived deal. This is very compartmentalized for me. It's not as if I'm setting out to hurt her. This, this right here is my marriage. I'm doing something out in this box over here. They're not connected. I know it sounds irrational. It sounds like it doesn't make any sense, but that's how I was getting from there to there. 
And so now this person that I love so much, I'm saying these words out loud and her world is imploding. I wanted to hurt him like he had hurt me. I wanted him, I wanted to see him on his knees. Like I felt I had been for the past however many months. I, would, I went so far as to get the Bible. I would get the Bible out and I'd just flip from page to page to page and I'd write down scripture and take it completely out of context. <laughs> and I would go and unlock his door down there downstairs at three o'clock in the morning and I'd make him read me those scriptures that I'd written on those pages because I wanted him to know how bad he was. You're bad, you need to know that. And God doesn't like you. And that was so wrong. That was not who I am. Right when all of these, these minefields were, were going off, um, I was attending Seacoast with my wife. Um, and we were going because we were reaching out. We, we, we didn't know where else to turn. And I promise you, there were times when um, it would seem as if uh, our pastor was preaching and there was no one else in the church and he was speaking directly to me. I, I couldn't push it back anymore. Uh, Greg said, what is God telling you and what are you going to do about it? I needed to talk to somebody. I needed to unload. I, I needed to get, I needed to get this off my chest and, and, and to communicate with someone else. And, um, and I went to the first guy who was there and it, and it was John and John prayed over me. Um, I was a mess. Um, and he put his hands on my shoulders and I felt safe. Um, we prayed uh, for, for clarity, for wisdom, for the Holy Spirit, uh, for peace. We prayed for restoration. Uh, and then he said, he asked me if I knew Vern Jensen and I said, no, I, I didn't. So he said, let's go. And we set up a time for, for counseling. And then I came back, Terry didn't know where I was. I explained to her what happened, and um, and so that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the process. It wasn't a, a step function change, like falling off of a cliff. That was the first step. I, I believe that was the beginning of, of my surrender, my crying out to him. Uh, Vern invited me to a men's Bible study on Thursday mornings. I started going to that. And it was, it was, I was like a sponge. I couldn't get enough of it. We went to an alpha course that was hosted by Seacoast. And then Vern said, I'd like for you and Terry to go to a life course. This was a living in freedom every day. Six weeks, Terry and I, we just absorbed it like huge sponges. And we met some terrific people that were going through their stuff. And all of a sudden, over this course of time, uh, we started studying scripture, we started reading the Bible, we started listening to the DVDs at, at, the, at the program, and then we can start seeing peace started to, to come into a tremendous amount of turmoil. What he did, what God did, was he took all that worldly stuff 
that was all wrapped around that good part of him that was on the inside. And he started peeling it back, little by little, just like an onion, he just peeled it back one layer at a time. And then he revealed to me this man that is just so loving, compassionate, kind. My relationship with my wife has never been this good. It, it's never, even before we got married or when we got married, it hasn't been this good. There are no seams between us. There's nothing to allow the devil to put a foothold in our relationship together. First, it's God, and then it's my wife and I, and then it's everybody else. When you surrender and you're like, this is it, and you lay yourself bare and you say, you confess, I did this, Lord. I did it. I'm sorry. Help me. He is faithful. He is glorious. And I love him. When he cries, it makes me so happy, so happy. It reveals a tenderness in him. And what it tells me is that he loves his Lord. That's what it tells me. And that he's humble enough to show everybody that he does. I don't know many men that would come in front of a camera and tell the story that he just told. I think that is the courage that God gave him. Wow. See, that, that's the kind of power that we're talking about. The, the power that can take a relationship that <clears throat> at any point, many people would have said, hey, it's time to give up here. But trusting the power of God that's at work in our lives, that he, he, he is big enough to protect us from the bad guys. And many of us are here today, and, and there's some pretty big time bad guys that you're facing in your life right now. It may be in your marriage, similar to what Fred and Terry shared, that, that you don't know if this is something that can be overcome. And I just want to encourage you to open yourselves up to the power of God to be at work in your life. See, one of the things I love about this story is that, that it is an us thing. It wasn't just a them thing. As you, as you listen to that story, you have a Christian attorney who, who encouraged Fred to make the right choice, and you had them committing to still be a part of a a weekend service and, and, and God using, uh, displaying his power through Greg, sharing a, a word that would encourage him to go to response time and then God using the prayer team and then God using a small group and then God using a life course and retreat. See, it's an us thing. The Christian faith was never meant to be lived out alone. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Where are you at today? Are, are you, there are probably a lot of us that are in a place where, man, we're desperate to experience God's power. I mean, if God's power doesn't show up in an area of our lives, then, then it may not be salvageable. And if that's you, I just encourage you to open yourself up to the power of God. It starts with making a choice to surrender your life to Christ. You know, until we just surrender our lives to Christ, we don't have access to any of the apps that God wants to offer us. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves and say, you know what, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin is wreaking havoc in my life. It's causing consequences. And most importantly, it's separating me from a living God who, who has so much to offer. And, and Jesus came so that we could overcome our sin. He, he came to overcome our sin. It says that we, we are righteous. We take on his righteousness because of what he did. 
And so it's a matter of saying, I want to receive the gift that you've given me by sending your son to die on a cross for me. For many of us, we need to take that first step today. And then for many of us, it's, it's a matter of asking. You know, the, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us when we receive Christ, but it's asking for his power to be manifest in our lives. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, Earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. That was the first verse that I read in this fast. And I believe that God wants to do this not only in my life, but in, in our church as a whole's life, that we would earnestly desire the power of God, the apps that he offers to allow us to overcome sin, to guide us, to comfort us, to do whatever he wants to in our lives. And so we would ask and then we would step in faith and believe and act as if he has empowered us. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. That's where you, you sense that hunch and you, you take a step in that way. And for some, it may be that, that God's calling you to be that us for somebody else in this church. Maybe it's to offer a word of encouragement or to offer a hand of prayer or to, to step in and help financially in a situation. I don't know what he may be prompting us to do, but, but how cool would it be in 2012 to be a part of a church that did see God do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine because of his power that was at work within us. And we were vessels that were willing to be used to display that power to this community and to our world. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I do thank you for this incredible truth. Lord, I thank you that on the day that Jesus, you ascended to heaven, that you didn't leave us alone, but that you sent your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to empower us, to walk with us, Lord, so that when our marriage doesn't look like it's going to make it, we can have hope, Lord, to hang on and to keep fighting and to believe you that you're going to heal the broken pieces, God, so that when our child lays sick in the hospital and we wonder if he's going to make it, Lord, we can trust you and we can believe in you and we can have hope that you have the power to heal and to restore. Lord, and for all of the giants that we face, for all of the bad guys that we look at, in the morning when we get up to face our day, you have the power, God. Would you display that power in us? Lord, we want to open ourselves up to you. We want to receive everything that you have for us today and this year. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.